0: The talk you're about to hear is by Zen teacher, Sensei Amala Reitzen.
1: I'll just repeat that for the recording. Today is the uh, 24th of March, uh, 2019, and it's the second day of our uh, two-day sitting. Um, When I got home yesterday, um, uh, getting to start preparing for this talk, um, after having talked in the opening words about, about um, our water nature and how, how much we're affected by others, um, Richard showed me a, a, a photograph. Um, it was from Dubai, um, the tallest building in the world, um, the Burj Khalifa. And um, an image has been uh, projected onto this building of um, our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern um, hugging somebody. You you can't see who she's hugging, um, but she's she's wearing a veil, and the person it looks like the person who's who's out of the picture um, there. But it's a woman. She's she's giving comfort to. And uh, so this, this, and then above her head are the words "peace," in both Arabic and English. And um, this photograph appeared. I don't know if this is the first place, place it appeared, but but the the source that I found was um, um, an Arabian business website, and the the website quoted um, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, who's the um the leader the head of of dubai government and he said um, and this was what he said on on friday new zealand today fell silent in honor of the mosque attacks martyrs thank you pm jacinda adun and new zealand for your sincere sympathy and support that has won the respect of 1.5 billion muslims after the terrorist attack that shook the Muslim community around the world. The same article also um, reported on the um, many New Zealand women who wore veils on Friday and it noted also that police women and volunteers at Hagley Park for the, the prayer um, that, that happened there outside of the mosque we were also wearing veils. And it quoted um, Prime Minister Ardern having said, we cannot know your grief, but we can walk with you at every step or every stage. So, so it's just quite, this is, it's quite extraordinary and it, it, it throws up lots of avenues that we could take to talk, talk further about this, but um, one of the things that struck me immediately or two, two, two main things really just um, the power of love and compassion which we'll spend most of the talk looking at um, but but also this age in which we live where pretty much anything we say or do may be recorded and magnified enormously this 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 image which my guess is has has brought some comfort to many people. Um, that was that is blown up on the uh, to fill the tallest building in the world. Um, they have that on one side, and and its implications for us in terms of of our behaviour. Um, it's always been understood in Buddhism that um, what we say and do um, matters. It affects others, and and ripples can can go out from our from our actions in ways that we may not be able to predict. Because we are all so sensitive, because we are in this this uh, part of this sensitive planet, this living organism and that's obviously we know this from the from the attacks for good and for evil the the, the um, images of people being shot uh, stayed on the internet for hours after the attacks and were, were also seen by millions so we have a, it's a two-sided um, phenomenon but we could, we could do well to, to, um, to just um, contemplate how this 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 world of um, ultra fast communication and amplification that we live in now. The, the two phrases that, that, um, that came to me on seeing, seeing this, this very powerful image, perhaps made more powerful by the fact that we can't see the face of the person that Jacinda Ardern is, is hugging. So in a sense we can, we can, <laughs> we can put ourselves in there <laughs> as being the one who's hugged in, this, in our moment of, of uh, maybe confusion and anger and fear after this event. But of course the 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 effect that this hug and the many hugs that have happened over this last week or so have had on the on the people who are closest to the to the massacre who have lost members of their families, friends, um, this is where it's it's most important. Of course it doesn't doesn't wipe out what they're going through, but perhaps can make it a little bit easier to bear for us for our grief to be acknowledged and seen um, is so important and for the words that are spoken to be not be empty words, this is where the gesture of, of hugging somebody is so eloquent that it's, it's we, we are expressing with our bodies not just with our tongues, our, um, affirming our um non separation from those who are suffering and i think it's fair to say that the, the there has been a real acknowledgement of this in terms of of the, resp- the the response by um the prime minister and others and the way in which the prime minister's Im- immediate response has has allowed others to respond in a similar vein it could have been different often after an event like this people are confused they're scared even those at a distance and they may may not know what to do but because of Ardern's initial response we've seen uh, a response across the country of um, expressing compassion I went to the mosque as I mentioned yesterday um, in Ranui on Friday night and um, it was, it was an extraordinary experience. Just, just hundreds and hundreds of ordinary people just coming and, and saying, we love you. We love you to the, to the people in the mosque and the people in the mosques um, responding to that with, with, with open arms and welcome and, and, um, and an incredible example from them too of um, patience. You know, people saying, we, we, um, we don't um, bear ill-will towards the killer, even, even thanking him in, in different ways, in a kind of defiant manner. But, but extraordinary, um, and this is even people who've lost family members, saying this so it's on all sides it's been it's been an extraordinary process so the two coming back to what I mentioned before two, two kind of sayings that, that came to when I for, first saw this, this photograph of this building in, in Dubai where, where one is biblical perfect love casteth out fear and um, the, the second one is, is a, um, from uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Placing our fearful mind in the cradle of loving kindness. Placing our fearful mind in the cradle of loving kindness. I think this one is even a little bit better than casting perfect perfect love casteth out fear, because that first statement, m- imagine you have to somehow get rid of your fear cast it out as if there was somewhere where it could be cast out to it's like trying to throw things away where is away um, so the second one captures it more um, profoundly i think pa- placing our fearful mind in the cradle of loving kindness so placing our fear our anger in a bigger context in a more powerful context and something that is more fundamental to us And I think really, um, we have been led in in this last week or so. The whole country has been, in a sense, um, practicing to one degree or another, um, metta and Makaruna, the two first of the of the four brahma viharas or divine abodes. Um, these are seen in Buddhism as um, the highest. states we can attain while kind of still in the realm of form, you could say. They're also sometimes referred to as the, as the four immeasurables and, and they are metta, uh, maitri in, in Sanskrit, metta in Pali meaning loving kindness or wishing happiness for all beings, being interested in the, in the well-being of all beings. And then karuna, um, compassion, usually translated to compassion, and it's really just a a, a variant of meta. Um, it's meta in response to suffering, so wishing to relieve beings of their suffering. And then the the um, other two are uh, mudita and that's love, again it's just a variation on metta but this time in response to good fortune when you see others experiencing good fortune and and happiness um, to um, rejoice in that and then the fourth one upekka or upeksha depending on the the Pali or or Sanskrit which um, means love for all equally so, um, extending the same open-heartedness to, to everyone, both people closest to us, uh, dear to us, and people we, we don't know. Um, just maybe people we see on the street, or when we were driving around and we see in, inside other cars, or um, people in distant lands as well, um, to, to, f- to have an open heart towards them just as much as we have to people close to us or people in our own country and that's really the, that's really the pinnacle of this um, and um, pretty rare So, um, I'd like to um, just explore meta a little bit more, um, in relation to what's happening and, and beyond. Start off with a little bit, a few paragraphs from from a chapter on um, meta, loving kindness from. Um, Pema Chodron and it starts off with a quote from Mahatma Gandhi, peace between countries must rest on the solid foundation of love between individuals. So just to look at that for a moment, why is that? Why must peace between countries rest on the solid foundation of love between individuals? You can't live you can't love an abstraction really knows um, that 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 joke um, sort of um, I love humanity. it's just people I can't stand. True love um, and we're talking here about about meta or. Aroha, or in, in the Christian terminology you might say caritas. So we're not talking about here about romantic love, which does involve a lot of, often, a lot of blindness and projection. But if we say true love, it, it's based on, on understanding, on ex- experience, direct experience of, an, of another. on contact, on, on um, relationship. On the other hand, we can and we often do um, hate or fear abstractions. Our, ha- our hate and fear can, can come from basically from our um, delusive thinking. So the creations of our minds The, the, uh, the manifesto of the, the, the killer was, um, somebody sent me some extracts for it, for it, from it. And it was, it's full of uh, untruths, distortions, bits of tiny little bits of history that have been interpreted this way or that. So deeply delusive. is what P- Pema Chodron writes Our personal attempts to live humanely in this world are never wasted Choosing to cultivate love rather than anger just might be what it takes to save the planet from extinction What is it that allows our goodwill to expand and our prejudice and anger to decrease? This is a significant question Traditionally, it is said that the root of aggression and suffering is ignorance. But what is it that we are ignoring? Entrenched in the tunnel vision of our personal concerns, what we ignore is our kinship with others. What we ignore is our kinship with others. After the after the attacks, um, writer um, Rebecca Solnit um, wrote in the Guardian about why climate action is the antithesis of white supremacy. I think there were probably quite a few people after the the attacks who were mourning in different ways. The the one of the sort of um, casualties of the attacks which was the, um, the news about um, the um, all the demonstrations across the globe um, against climate change by school kids. Um, in Christchurch where the, where the kids had to get go into lockdown when the, when the attacks occurred. And in more than um, seventeen hundred other cities around the world, imagine um, one thousand seven hundred places in the world where, where kids were were speaking out against the climate crisis, and and demanding that our governments make a a, um, a real response to it. This is another example of the of the of the way in which. Uh, more and more we're getting to see, it's always been the case, but we're now getting to see so clearly how um, the whole planet is one organism. Human and non-human beings. As we see with, our, with the whole the problem of climate change in the first place, some CO2 um, emitted in Auckland can Affect the the ice sheets in in um, Greenland. How we behave here um, can affect somebody we don't know in a distant country. Here's what Rebecca Solnit wrote. As the news of the Christchurch Mosque Massacre broke, I scoured the news and I scoured the news. I came across a map showing that the Friday morning climate strike in Christchurch was close to the bloodbath. I felt terrible for the young people who showed up with hope and idealism and wondered whether the killer or killers chose this particular day to undermine the the impact of this global climate action. It was a shocking pairing, and also a perfectly coherent one, a clash of opposing ideologies. Behind the, emer- the urgency of climate action is the understanding that everything is connected. Behind white supremacy is an ideology of separation." Separation is another way of, of talking about, about non-love. And, and and non-separation is another way of, of talking about love. And a, in our Zen practice, to to affirm in our in our actions, moment by moment, the truth of love, the truth that we are intimately connected. of separation as the idea that though white people have overrun the globe, non-white people should stay out of Europe, North America and now even New Zealand and Australia to places where white settlers came relatively recently to already inhabited places as a fantasy, again this is talking about white supremacy, as a fantasy of resegregating the world. Um so she con- she contrasts um, this a- awareness of our uh, uh, interconnectedness and and of course the um, absolute urgent need for us to act collectively with the the ideology behind um, um, the far right, which is basically I can do anything I want. It's the program myth that we can each protect ourselves with a weapon when in reality we're all safer with them out of our societies. It's the idea that we can deregulate the hell out of everything and everyone can just look out for themselves, whether it's food safety or infrastructure safety or air and water quality. To kill someone you have to feel separate from them and, and she, goes, she goes on to talk about this. One of the, one of the things that I think has, has reinforced people's sense of the sincerity of um, Jacinda Ardern's reaction is the, the, the speed with which she has started to get gun control measures into place. She's not just expressing th- sympathy, but backing that sympathy up with, with um, actions, with decisive actions. Um, Rubika Solnit asked um, Hoda Baraka about what had happened. Hoda Baraka is uh, Muslim and also um, 350.org's global communications director. And, and Solnit asked um, what everything looked like to her in the wake of the climate strike and the massacre. And she said, In a world being driven by fear, we are constantly being pitted against the very things that make this world livable. Whether it's people being pitted against each other, even though there is no life without human connection, love and empathy, or fear pitting us against the very planet that sustains us, even though though there is no life on a dead planet. This is why fighting against climate change is the equivalent of fighting against hatred. A world that thrives is one where both people and planet are seen for their inextricable value and connectedness. And then she f- Solnit finishes by saying, Our work as climate activists arises from the recognition that acts have consequences, and consequences come with responsibilities. And we are responsible for the fate of this earth for all living beings now and in the future we are choosing with our actions or injections in the present, but also from the recognition that ecological connectedness contains a deep beauty tantamount to love. Our goal as climate activists is to protect life, those children and youth standing up for the future in Christchurch and in more than 1,700 other cities around the world where already the answer, were already the answer we needed. I've also um, read elsewhere uh, uh, this is why because, because this is what it is the bottom of, of, of climate work is um, an, an aspiration to protect life that is why it is so important that it is a non-violent movement because to, to, to try to uh, fight against um, climate breakdown violently would just be to add more um, violence and uh, loss of life into, into a, the system it would be a contradiction of the, pur- the purpose of what uh, must be undertaken. So, um, Pema Chodron continues, One reason we train as warrior bodhisattvas is to recognize our interconnectedness, to grow in understanding that when we harm another, we are harming ourselves. So we train in recognizing our uptightness. We train in seeing that others are not so different from ourselves we train in opening our hearts and minds in increasingly difficult situations. Um, in, in, in classical um, loving kindness practice, you start where it's easy uh, to feel warmth, um, for the heart to open a little and work towards where it's more difficult. And in this way we can can kind of um, soften and dissolve our, our emotional armour and certainly that's, I think that's something we've seen over the past week is, is um, people feel, having really received permission to let down their emotional armour to, to um, just open to um, each other's vulnerability, um, and uh, on, on, on Friday night at the, at the mosque, um, several, several speakers um, say something and, and you could see everybody, tears coming to everybody's eyes in the room, the, uh, the various Muslim scholars and imams and, and uh, MPs and, and others sitting up in the front and people sitting on the floor in the audience. And those those tears, the way in which they unite us, we all um, we all all cry with the same tears. That 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 rising of of. Um, in a sense, the 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 sweet dew of compassion, in in everybody. To to be able to hold that. Not only at times when we're all, our hearts are open and we're grieving, as, as has happened in the last week, but uh, at other times as well when we're, when we're disagreeing, when we're in conflict with people, when we're um, uh, having to contend with, with um, uh, negative reactions to people, the people we're dealing with. This is a point made by um, teacher of loving kindness, Te- Tejananda. Um, he talks about metta as a as a positive emotion, um, is a skillful a skillful um, mental formation. We would say in technical terms in, in Buddhism. But he makes the important point that um, meta is not about feeling good, necessarily. That um, may be an outcome at times, but it's not that we're trying to cultivate um, pleasant or nice feelings in relation to always to, to others or to ourselves. Um, whether we experience something um, as pleasant or unpleasant is not something that we can change with our will. If we if say we 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 have an aversion to a particular sound, then that's not something we can can uh, change with our will. Where we have the freedom is that is how we react to that unpleasantness, and this this can um, have quite a bearing on our on, on possibly, possibly on our. Uh, work in climate change or other issues to we may often be in situation where um, people are doing or saying things that we disagree with and that get may give rise to unpleasant feelings in us and it's how we deal with that can we can we stay in in a in a an attitude of loving kindness in the midst of, of uh, unpleasant, uncomfortable feelings. He later says, uh, he or she, Note that the basis of metta is friendliness, not friendship. That is, we are training ourselves to be friendly to all beings, not to think in terms of all beings could actually be my friend, which they can't. And he goes on to talk about the the Brahma Viharas as being known as the um, immeasurables or unlimited, limitless. He says limitless means that if we are giving rise to the quality, it will be expressed towards whoever we happen to meet or think about without exception. A related misdirection people often take when doing metta bhavana, it's a cultivation of metta, is to think that unless they have some kind of powerful experience, um, um, emotion, or feeling tone, then it isn't really metta and they have failed to do the practice properly. It's, it's, um, it's important to understand that we do metta, we cultivate metta. Of course, ultimately, you could say the final, the final endpoint, the final goal would be to just feel love towards all. But we're—it uh, doesn't mean we're failing in our meta practice if we're we're not feeling those good feelings. We're—we're we're, um, our aspiration is in that direction, not trying to force ourselves to feel something that we don't we're not feeling, but, but to have an attitude of loving-kindness, an aspiration to loving-kindness. He says, I also tend to think personally that using love or even loving-kindness too indiscriminately as a way of talking about metta can set up tendencies for this kind of strain even if those teaching the practice are careful about how you, they use the word in the, this context and mention all the usual provisos. As we've seen, the primary meaning of metta is friendliness, benevolence, goodwill. Qualities such as these are probably more accessible as they're already, already likely to be in our experience, certainly in our general life experience, if they are not present in this very moment. Whereas if I have the idea I must love myself and others in the practice, we might find that we are setting our sights too high and just can't relate to the quality. So another another a good way of understanding it is goodwill or benevolence, same same thing. Or friendliness, coming with an attitude that is is open and welcoming. It's something we've we've talked about many times. Um, is the is the way in which we. Westerners, uh, or is it wh- whether it's people who come from um, societies in which c- consumerism is the strongest voice, um, we struggle with feeling loving kindness towards ourselves. Here's something that the Buddha said. He said, You can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving deserving of your love and affection than you are yourself, and that person is not to be found anywhere. You, yourself, as much as anyone else in the universe, deserve your love and attention. It's, it can be very hard for, for us to... To really believe that, and we can we can really we can really struggle with um, with unloving thoughts towards ourselves. Um, how do we work with that? Came across a little piece um, from Buddhism. Now this goes back to two thousand and fourteen, called "The Practice of Metta and the English Problem." This is by somebody called John Askey, and um, it's set. It's 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 from an Englishman's point of view. Um, so, and it's a bit it's a bit extreme and, and kind of humorous. Uh, but since we since we have some of this, this um, many of us have have uh, uh, connections back to to. Um, English uh, culture perhaps even though it's a little bit extreme we can we can uh, get some something from what he says so he tells a story the venerable Anuruddha had a problem and this is not the Anuruddha of the time of the Buddha but a, a, a teacher of meta today The tried and tested methods methods of teaching metta loving-kindness practice did not seem to work with the English. There had to be a solution. The Venerable Anuruddha sat down and went over the facts. The metta practice rests on the basis of loving oneself, or at least liking oneself. Without this step, no, no further progress is possible, either in the metta practice or in the practice of any of the Brahma Viharas and then he, he describes them as, in an, um, parentheses the mortar of holy life. What holds it together, you could say. And with the English, the men at least, this first step was proving very difficult, if not impossible. For the English, the idea of an exercise which begins with loving themselves, or even liking themselves for that matter, is almost anathema. We are heirs to a terrible affliction, unable to give our affection to anything but dogs, cats, budgerigars and back gardens. (laughs) There is a deep, deep resistance against liking oneself. It's the veritable dustbin of emotion. The average Yorkshireman would commit harakiri rather than even speak of it anyone who would admit to a thing like that has reached the final appallingness. Narcissus did it and you know what happened to him. It's the most awful indulgence known to the average Englishman, almost as bad as the mayor of Bradford once memorably said as kicking a dog. I once attended a meta retreat run by a venerable bhikkhu who by halfway through had begun to address most of his remarks to the ladies in the retreat. When asked why this was so, he said, the men are just not responding to anything I say. He was unaware that he had committed the unpardonable sin of telling a bunch of Englishmen to tell themselves I love you. Most of them turned pale and one told me later that he found himself hating everyone horribly. His new mood was apparently not pr- improved by Tiger, the monastery cat, who proceeded to dump a still-living mouse in the midst of his meditation cushion, kill it, and then eat it. The problem seemed insuperable, but the venerable Anuruddha had been a master builder in Salon and discovered that nothing is at all imp- impossible if you give a little time and space to it. So he's a man of resources. He commented, um, the Venerable Anuruddha commented also that um, in Ceylon we must do more wisdom practice but here we need more metta. And then he goes on, this was his teaching in this retreat coming up against this problem. He said, the practice assumes a little liking, but it is usually directed towards the self. Since you are unhappy with yourselves, we must start somewhere else. It was years later that I ran across the words of a Greek philosopher who said, it is very hard to love ourselves. We should start simply with a cloud or a stone. We should start simply with a cloud or a stone. Sounds like a haiku. (laughs) So we were instructed to compile a list of all the little things for which we felt affection and regard. This may be hard, he told us. It was, for me at least. It took me two days to present him with a comparatively simple list without feeling a little embarrassed. Like a bank manager being forced to confess, he still sleeps with his teddy. But at last it was done. How strange that it should have been so difficult. All my list had on it were things like Summer evenings in the woods, kittens playing, the river on a spring morning, and so on. Such innocent things that I wonder they should have been so difficult to put down, perhaps because they were so personal and private, and the English are a very private people if nothing else, I showed him my list and was told to go away and run all those things through my mind all day and add to the list if I wished. How's it, going How's it going? he asked me later. A slight feeling of gold, I said. Good, it's going well. Then we had to reflect that all the feelings and memories were already in our minds, part of them, and that the warmth and emotion they evoked were already present and did not need to be brought in from outside. They were already in us. It was hard work, but never anything but natural. There, w- there was no being appalled or cringing before unacceptable emotional demands. I never forgot the lesson or the skill of the teacher. For me, it will al- always be one of the best examples of a higher skill and means. I think this is a, a practice that we can just take up in this moment <coughs> the sound of the of birds in the trees behind the, the zendo the light coming in having others to sit with on this Sunday morning the hymns Drifting through the windows, our breath coming and going. Well, um, there was more, but we we're t- our time is up. Um, just finish finish off with a a um Vajrayana prayer that um, relates to the four imme- 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 immeasurables in the Vajrayana tradition they put um, they put the fourth one first upeksha, and then it goes uh, meta karuna mudita there's a there's a verse for each of these How wonderful it would be if all sentient beings were able to abide in equanimity, free from attachment and hatred, not holding some close and others distant. May they abide so. May I cause them to abide so. Please, Guru, Buddha, bless me to be able to do this. How wonderful it would be if all sentient beings had happiness and the causes of happiness. May they have these. May I cause them to have these. Please, Guru, Buddha, bless me to be able to do this. How wonderful it would be if all sentient beings were free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May they be free. May I cause them to be free. Please, Guru, Buddha, bless me to be able to do this. How wonderful it would be if all sentient beings were never separated from higher rebirths and liberation's excellent bliss. May they never be separated. May I cause them to never be separated. Please, Guru, Buddha, bless me to be able to do this. We'll stop here and recite the four vows.
0: All beings without number, I vow to liberate. I vow to liberate endless blind passions I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain all be. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.